Hey everyone, welcome to part two of love. We're just going to pick up right where we left off, so enjoy. Uh, I may have told you this story before, but I was doing child protection, as you know, and I went out to Jackson Elementary one day and I picked up a little girl. And this little girl had been, uh, since she was five, her father had been sexually abusing her almost on a daily basis. And what grade is she in now? She's now in the third grade. Okay. And so she recounts to me, and so I tell the principal I'm putting her in protective custody. Uh, we couldn't transport, so I had to call a police officer to come with the police and pick her, pick me and her up, and then we're going to take her to shelter. Principal was all upset. He had never seen it happen before. He said, how can you do this? You're, you know, you're a 28-year-old punk. You can't rip up a kid, rip off a kid. I said, uh, I'm the coordinator of the child protection team. I'm a child protection worker. Uh, we're taking her into shelter, and I'm going over to visit the parents. Well, what's going to happen? And I explained it to him, and I called the police, and as I was walking her out to the, to the police car, this little girl started crying, and she was actually shaking. And she had said to me that day that her father told her that if she told the secret of what he's been doing, the family would be destroyed, she would die, uh, father would go to prison and the whole family would be destroyed and it was all of her fault. Oh, and she had told me about everything that was going on. As I was walking her to the police car, she started shaking and crying and she looked at me as we sat in the back seat and she said, is this when I die? So I slid into the back seat, tried not to scream or cry and just held her and rocked her and reassured her that I'm going to go talk to her mom and dad. And we're going to work this out. It's going to be disrupted for a little while, but I'm going to take you to a friend's home. It was a shelter home. This police officer is going to transport. But everything's going to be okay eventually. We're just going to fix it, and everything's going to, I promise you. And then she realized we didn't have uh, phones then. We had a pager, so she realized that if she called 911, they could run it through the phone on the police car, and then my beeper would go off, and the beeper went off, and then I would call and get an address, and she realized that she could find me anywhere in Salt Lake County, and I'd be there in about 20 minutes. And she said, okay. <laughs> so she stopped crying. And about 40 minutes later, we're still sitting in the backseat of the police car, and she knew she wasn't going to die. And I said, well, so if you're not going to die, you're going through this. But why do we have to go through this kind of stuff? And she put her finger in her cheek and she says, well, we have to go through stuff to, to be tested. And I said, with her finger in her cheek, I said, why do we need to be tested? And she looked at the ground and put her finger in her cheek again and said, to learn stuff. <laughs> From an eight-year-old. And I went, that's why we're alive? No, we're alive just to have a good time and fun and joyful. Well, that comes along with it. But this life is to learn things. This is from a little girl, eight years of age, teaching me. I've never forgot it. It was when I was just starting to find some of my struggles in life in my late 20s and early 30s. Oh, well, I've been struggling my whole life. Uh, today, I want to go to one other area, maybe a couple of other areas, and then we'll, then we'll move to something else. A few months ago, a fellow came to see me, and uh, he's a religious leader. Well, this is this is a lot of Mormons. He's the elder scorn president. And he came in to see me because he's struggling a little bit with his wife. And he says, my wife is always upset with me. 
I know pretty well everybody in the ward. I love people in my ward. And I go visit this guy. And my wife says, I can't believe you're going to go visit that guy. And she gets upset with me if I go visiting. And then I'm sorry. She's irritated with everything I do because she's still living dependently. Everything she thinks and feels depends on what her husband's doing or what the kids are doing. She's never learned this emotional independence yet. And he's saying, how do I get free and not let her be irritated by everything that I do? And I said to him, I said, Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40. And he read it to me. Oh, yeah, I guess the great commandment is love God, love your neighbor, and maybe she ought to love me. I said, yeah. I said to him, how many people do you know who really do, even if their husbands are asses? Maybe he's a drinker, or maybe he's profane. Or he's into porn. Yeah, he's into porn, or, or he didn't get the soup when he came home from work, or you know, whatever. <laughs> or he works too much, Daniel Switzer. <laughs> yeah, or he plays too many video games, or irritated by this. Or that. How many women do you know who are truly independent and absolutely love and adore their husbands and don't get irritated by the idiocy that men do and just love him? And he looked at me and said, oh, geez, I don't know. I said, your wife? He said, oh, no. I said, well, think about it. You've been in the, the area for a long time. And he holds up his hand like this. This is like so, a circle and three fingers. Okay, sign. Okay, okay yeah. sign. And I said, so you're telling me no? And he says, no, three. <laughs> I said, three. there's three women who absolutely love their spouses, adore him, cherish him, don't get affected by his goofy stuff that he does, and just love them. I said, and how old are they? Uh, all three of them are in their 60s and 70s. <laughs> and I said, do you know anybody younger than that who absolutely adore and cherish their husband just the way he is? Dad, and is sorry, broken- <laughs> we're not perfect. <laughs> and has broken out of the dependency and learned this emotional independence. Yes, it just takes a Valium. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he said, three. And then I said this. Okay, well, let me talk about your wife for just a minute. How about her mother? grandma. Does her mother love herself? Oh, no. Does her, her father love himself? Oh, no, he never loved himself. So she's never been taught through the wire by mom and dad love themselves independently, not just dependently, but independently. They love each other independently or dependently. Oh, no, they were dependent. I said, okay, now let me ask you this. How many men truly adore their wives, even if their wife's a nag. They don't let it affect them. They say, I love her. Even if she's always yelling at him, whatever she just says, I'm not letting his yelling mess with me. I've learned independence. I I just love my wife. I adore her. I cherish her. And I don't let her stuff mess with me. And I can love her and, and care for her and live the great commandment. Love her, love myself, and love God. He held his hand up like this. Four. This is a thumb folded and four or thumb so four folded guys. and four fingers. I said four. He said four men. How old are they? They're in there in 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. What about you? Did your mom truly love everybody? Loved himself and loved God? He said, oh, she got irritated a lot by dad and things that went on. Yeah. How about your dad? Did your dad love everybody, love himself, and love God? And he said, I think my dad really did. And I said, 
So you've been trained pretty well already how to love independently, to not let other people's stuff make you crazy and upset you, make you miserable. And he said, I'm getting better at it. I said, be grateful that your parents. And then I had him put his wife and all of his children and their the in-laws, put them in the chair and say to him, watch me. I'm going to teach you guys how to love independently. I'm not going to be encumbered and emotionally controlled by the stuff that you guys are doing. I'm going to learn this emotional independence. I'm going to love them profoundly. I'm going to become an agent unto myself, but I'm going to love them profoundly. He said he'd try it. So uh, a few months ago, uh, this woman I'd been treating for probably a year, year and a half. And she's really been working hard. She came in and when she came in, she was irritated a lot by the stuff that was going on with her children and her husband. And most of it had to do with a lot of unfinished stuff that she had with her parents and, and especially her father who did some very painful stuff while she was growing up. Mm-hmm. And when she was a child, her dad went through a whole bunch of stuff and really hurt her and caused pain and suffering to the family. And so we did a lot of work with putting the dad in the chair and saying, Dad, I'm not going to let your stuff mess with me anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get so free from you, Dad, and the goofy stuff you do. I get free from it by turning it to wisdom. I'm going to be stronger. I'm more independent now. I've learned I have to be in charge. I have to rescue the 15-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 22-year-old that you damaged in me. And I have rescued her. And she's grown and I've grown and I'm stronger for having gone through it. And she was just at the end of therapy. Mm-hmm. And her daughter uh, had been um, out on a mission. And she came home from her mission and she had a wonderful time. And she'd been home about a month. and. One day they were all together and the daughter said, you know, mom, while we were out there, uh, I suffered some real depression while I was on my mission. And so I went on my, I went and saw a therapist out in the mission field. And, and he basically explained to me that mom, a, a, a big reason that I had so much difficulty out here initially and depression and anxiety is because uh, you, mom and dad have created uh, post-traumatic stress disorder for me. Hmm. Well, when a mother is talking to a daughter, just hearing that the daughter is blaming her and dad for all of the stress she's had, what do mothers do? They Freak. felt terrible. Felt terrible. <laughs> felt terrible. They go to therapy. She was going. And she started to cry. And then she said, oh, wait just a minute. I've been seeing a shrink for the last year, year and a half, and I've been learning about this emotional independence. She looked at her daughter and said, I've gotten free from all of the dumb stuff my dad and mom have done in my life, and I love them profoundly. I've turned it, and I've grown from it. I'm grateful for it even, and I'm not going to let this mess with me anymore. When in the heck are you going to get free from your dad's and my stuff and learn to grow from it and turn it to wisdom like I have? If I can do it with my parents, it's your job to do it with you. Started to cry, then looked at her and said, Mom, I know this. You're absolutely right, but it's hard to do. Will you help me? She says, I will. So she 
very proudly called and set an appointment and came in to see me and told me all about it. I saw it so excited. And she said, but you've told me for a year and a half, I'm, I'm not going to let other people's stuff mess with me. I'm learning emotional independence, CEI, clinical emotional independence. I said, yes, but it doesn't mean you throw away CED. She said, what do you mean? You can still let other people's stuff mess with you. Well, you told me not to let them mess with them, to be independent. I said, but wait, if Libby, if you came to me and say, dad, you hurt me and you messed me up. Should I just say, well, Libby, get over it. You got to deal with it yourself. The world beats you up. Get over it. I'm not going to let it bother me. Or I, I mean, you have said that before, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me hope that I still remember a little bit yes. of CED. No, where I, I like say, this. I'm I like so this. sorry, Libby, that this is hurting you. And yeah. I will, I will help you. I'll hold you. I'll apologize for what I've done. I will. And I will help you. I'm going to let it affect me maybe this much, maybe this much. Mm-hmm. But am I going to go home tonight and not sleep and say, oh, no, I'm the worst father in the world. I've ruined my kid. I'm going to feel miserable for the rest of my life like a lot of mothers and fathers do. Or can I say, wait, I will get free from my parents, which gives me the lens inside my head that I can teach my children to get free from me and the mistakes I've made, but that I will be kinder. So I call it gray and white. White is emotional independence. Gray is, I am going to let this stuff mess with me a little bit because I need to be a little bit kinder with you, Libby. Yeah. It's okay that she sits down with her daughter and says, I'm sorry that the mistakes we've made have hurt you. I'll love you. But if you say, I know, I've ruined you, and take, and how many parents take it all on and say, oh, no. And then the kids grow up when they're 16, they're blaming their parents. And when they're 40, they're still saying, my mom and dad screwed me up. And parents, I know I screwed them up. I'm 70. I screwed up my kids so much. Because the parents are still taking the responsibility and haven't handed it to them and say, I'm truly sorry for the mistakes I've made. Right. and that, You can get past these things. That gray area allows room for connection, room for growth through communication and not just, I'll do this on my own. Yeah. I think that's very important to remember that gray. Agency by itself is just plain mean and selfish. Selfish, You got to add love to it. Yeah. It's agency and love, what we started with today. You got to have both. I'm concerned, but so often when we love so much, then we feel like, well, we have to rescue them by loving them. Is God going to love me so much that he's going to rescue me? If he does, I won't grow, but he's there. Is he got lots of help and support and love? Yes. But if he rescues me, if, if this child's been through difficulties, I want to rescue him. We as mothers and fathers, how many parents come and see me and they've rest their kid and they've rescued their kid and they've rescued their kid and they've rescued their kid because I don't want to hurt them. I'm a terrible parent if they fail. Oh no, they've got to succeed. They've got to succeed. And now the child is now dependent their whole life and they're in my office at 46 years of age and the parents in their 70s saying, you got to teach my kids how to be independent. He still lives in our house. He, still, he lives on the, the check I write him every month. He's not worked. He hasn't do this. He's not doing this. He's not doing this because he's learned dependency and he hasn't learned that emotional independence. Well, and sorry, just another thought I had is that I was thinking about this gray area as a parent as well, where you can rescue, rescue, rescue. But then also, if you say, no, you're on your own, you're on your own, you're on your own, then that is the product of, (laughs) you are forced to be on your own. 
someone who might have difficulty asking for help, accepting help. Oh, good idea. Yes, uh, excellent. You know, so then that's a They're good so place to also have a little bit even... of gray where yeah. you rescue occasional or whatever, but not you're on your own, kid. Good luck, you know. I agree with you 100%. Do you remember some time ago we talked about red and white? Yes. Make the soul of man. Yes. Who should be the captain, the red or the white? The white. Now let's go to gray and white. CED, clinical emotional dependency versus clinical emotional independence. It is balance, but who should lead? Who should who should be top? The white. CEI, the white. Lots of gray. Lots of math in this podcast. Lots of math. <laughs> <laughs> balance. Yin and yang. Loudsa. He did Loudsa. the same thing. That's We're right. going to change our logo to, to the yin and yang symbol. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I hope I emphasize this part. It's all three parts to the greatest commandment. A lot of people just, okay, I'll love myself. Oh, wait, I forgot to love God, and I forgot to love my neighbors. Yeah, we don't need any more Ted Bundys that just love themselves. <laughs> That's called narcissism. Yes. And some people, when they do that, they love red. I bought a new car. I'm spending all the money. I do this, da 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 And there's no white. And what I'm talking about is a true confidence that you're loved. God loves you, even in your duality. And you're to love yourself in your duality even though you're going to do some dumb stuff because you have this struggle between your red and your white. You have an animal that's going to fight. It's going to say, do this, do that. It's prideful. It's an animal. It wants to protect and overprotect. It wants to buy money you may not have. It wants to do all kinds of red things. And the white says, no, let's leave by the white. Mm -hmm. And it's it's that balance again between both of them, not getting rid of, rid of either of them. Yeah. And teach children that even if they're doing those things and trying to work out of masturbation or cocaine or heroin or whatever he's doing he if he finally realizes that god loves him while he goes through this and doesn't condemn him and hate him and understands the struggles you have your capability to overcome those things when you understand god truly does love you it so enhances us neurologically and and then that i also talk about the woman who she wanted to marry and she went to the singles dance to meet somebody. And she felt she had to go talk to him because if a guy showed up, the girls would just go up to him, hey, how are you? And introduce themselves and get to know everybody. And you're, you're looking to remarry it again. I said, don't go up to him. Sit, look at him, look at the floor and think about him. And, and just have feelings of, I, I, I like that guy. That guy's attractive. He's a sweet man. Mm -hmm. And just as you're sitting there, close your eyes and maybe imagine walking down the sidewalk holding his hand. And she says, that's crazy. This doesn't do anything. And I said, we'll try it. So she comes in a couple of weeks later and she says, this is crazy. I said, what? I did it. I didn't even talk to the guy. I saw him. I was sitting before, but instead of going up to him, I just sat in church. He came into the chapel, walked all the way down the aisle to where I was. There was a vacancy. Do you mind if I sit here and sat down by me? And then we started talking a little bit afterwards, and I left. I just started thinking, ooh, he's cute. Having thoughts, didn't really have to go talk to him and talk to him like everyone thought all the other women were you know, right there. And he took me out, and this couple eventually got married. How many of us just driving in the car? And you go to the store clerk, and the clerk gives you a bad time. You just sit there, I'm going to love this girl. You don't have to say anything. Just have those feelings. It has incredibly powerful to yourself, but also because of neuropeptides, 
the vibrations, Deepak Chopra, we talked about vibrations, mm -hmm. and how the cells are listening from Deepak mm -hmm. Chopra, we talked mm -hmm. about that. So if you have those feelings, if you say, I'm such a jerk, I'm such a jerk, what are you sending out? Yeah. But if you send out, I love me, and God loves me, and I love everybody, wow, that's what everybody's most attracted yeah. to. And even without religion, yeah. it's science-based, you know? these The, the science so cool. is starting to catch up to what the, the, the religionists have taught us for thousands of years. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Let's give people a challenge. I would say, so for a challenge this week, take 15 seconds while you're driving in the car. Think of a person. I'm going to say once a day, dedicate some energy and love to them. It's almost like a meditation, really, and it, it feels it, really good. It's a very short meditation. That was the other thing I was going to talk about, but we may have already talked about gratitude. The kid's headache who went away with the 10 things of gratitude. I don't think we did talk oh, about Oh, well, that's that. a part of this because gratitude is like one of the best ways to fill the emptiness that we all feel. But the other thing, let's emphasize, if you're loving yourself and others, is the cup empty? And then are you looking for somebody and something to fill your cup for you? When you're loving others, when you're loving yourself, you may not feel so empty. Mm -hmm. So many people, they've never loved themselves. They love others. They love God. But to truly love themselves. And you don't just love one. You love all of them. Mm -hmm. And everything in the gospel of the prophets hang in that. Mm -hmm. Everything. Yeah, that's cool. And about um, the gratitude, what was that line you said? Gratitude. Fills the emptiness. Fills the emptiness. And, uh, oh, can't wait to talk about human sexuality with my dad, which is what he one? wants to do. <laughs> you <ought> to... <laughs> oh, you guys, you just, you'll never understand that, so this that's, relationship. That's, that's at least a two-hour one. Okay. Wow. I'm so thrilled. I'll make sure I invite Link into that one. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, because you know, when mom, yeah, he doesn't even like. If you want to irritate him, tell tell Link and you know, mom and dad are having sex. Oh, I don't. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> invite Link into that. One. Yeah, I'll be sure. I'll send him an invite, and I'll I'll tell him it's lunch up here. Okay, All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> All right. Peace out, homies. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. Thanks Bye. for everything doing this.